uh, so that we are able to hear God's word, right? And you guys all look so hot. Yeah. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 12. We're opening up in verse 11. That's where we left off last week. And one of the things that we mentioned last week that is so important is that God has given you each a gift. And God wants to use your life. We talked about it. God wants to use your life. If you did not know that God wanted to use your life, then now you know God wants to use your life. And he's giving you each a particular gift so that you come to church and it's not a spectator thing when you come to church. It's not a, a consumer-like thing when you come to church, but that you would use your gift. Coming to church, it's not like going to the movies <laughs> where you go and you sit and you get comfortable and you do absolutely nothing but enjoy the show, right? It's not like going to the show and then you just leave home and talk about how good we're at now what, you know, what you saw, what you experienced. But coming to church, it's becoming the church. You know how you become the church? There's nothing like becoming the church more than when you're using your gifts. And we left off with the theme of being more in love with the giver than being in love with the gifts. Being in love with the giver. Are you in love with the giver today? The more that you become in love with the giver, the more that you can use your gifts. Because when you become so in love with the giver God... You naturally want to use your gifts to serve Him. We're in love with the giver, so we want to use the gifts to serve now the giver. And know this today. God, He gave you a specific gift for a specific ministry. God has given you a gift. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, God gave you a gift. God gave you a gift. And the gift that He gave you, I'll tell you this. It's for the glory of God, and it is for the purpose of God. It's for the glory of God, and it's for the purpose of God. And today we're going to learn the blessing again of teamwork. We're going to learn what it means to be united. We're going to learn what it means to work in unity, right? Because when you come to church, I want you to know this. Everyone in church is important. It's important. We ought to be important to one another. We're important to God. And God has a specific ministry that He gave you so that you can accomplish here on earth. He gave you a specific ministry so that you can accomplish here on earth. And that gift and that ministry is not for self-gain. It's not for self-promotion. It's not so that people can see you and say, well, look at how they can use that gift. Look how the attention that they are getting with their gift. No, it's so that with the gift that God gave you, God can get all the attention, all the glory. People would be pointed to Jesus with the gift that God has given you. That's exactly why. But it's all to be used in unity together. God gave you a gift that maybe he didn't give that other person that gift. But you need theirs and they need yours. And you need to collaboratively use them together. God wants you to use your gifts together. You know what happens when you don't use your gift? The church suffers. Because you come with a specific gift that God wants to use to bless the entire church. And if you're not using, if you're putting your gift on the shelf or you're holding your gift back, then the entire body or the church suffers. You ought to use your gift. 
I've known so many people that God has given them such amazing gifts. They're talented and gifted people. However, they've chosen to put their gift on the shelf. And now the entire church suffers because they're not being blessed with the gift that God has given them. But now think about this, to be used in unity. Not to be used individually on your own, but be used corporately together in unity. The church in Corinth was experiencing something very unique because they started to feel like their gifts were a way for them to be competitive with one another. I don't know about you guys, but I like some, some competition, right? If you like sports, you love competition. But your gifts are not so that you would use them separately and competitively. That's not why. It's not so you can be competitors. It's so you can be collaborators. So that you can be contributors to the work of God with the same goal, with the same mind. That in Corinth, they would say, well, well, I have the gift of tongues. And the gift of tongues is much more superior than the gift of prophecy. Or the gift of teaching is it's much more uh, looked and honored as the gift of help. So, so I, I, am, I am better. I'm looked upon higher than this other person because of the gift that I have. And Paul says, no. It's not like the gifts come from two different places. The gifts come from the same place. The gifts come from the same spirit. The gifts come from the, 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 the Holy Spirit that are giving to us. They're not from a different place. And Paul emphasizes that one and the same Spirit, one and the same Spirit works all the gifts and all these things in unity. So when we come to use our gifts, we're not coming to use them to compete, to showboat, to get the attention. We're coming to use the gifts together so that God would get the glory. It's not a competition. It's a collaboration of people that want to know Jesus. And it's interesting because in verse 11 it says this of 1 Corinthians 12. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. It was one and the same Spirit that gave you that gift. It comes from the same source. It comes from the same Spirit. It comes from the same God. Therefore you ought to not feel divided because of these gifts. Distributing to each one individually. Now he, God, his spirit, distributes to each one a gift. He gives you each a gift. Here it says, individually, each one individually as who wills? As he wills. So when we come to church, we have to know that you don't necessarily choose your place, but you fill your place. Because it is how he wills. It's not how I will or how a leadership wills or how a church wills or how your friend wills, how your parents will. It's how he wills. Therefore, you know that God gave you that specific gift. And with the gift that God gave you, there is nothing more enriching in life. There's, nothing, there's no more higher blessing in life than when you're using your gift. You know why, how life can become very boring and stale? It's when you're not using your gift to serve God. Because when you don't use your gift, guess what happens? You're put on the shelf. And there is nothing more miserable about living on the shelf. That's not what God intended for you. He intended you for you to use your gift at the fullest capacity for His glory. It is as He wills that you have that gift. And sometimes we look at the gift and say, Well, I really want the gift that that person has. Well, no, you don't have to envy that gift. Or I'd rather be in the gift or the position that that person has. Well, no, guess what? Our God, our Heavenly Father, 
He knows what is best for each and every one of his children. God knows you more than anyone else knows you. And he knows what's best and what gift best is for you. He's in charge as he wills. That's amazing because we can have peace and rest. Lord, thank you because I'm using the gift that you gave me. And I am at peace that you can use me this way. Because the church, the body of Christ, needs the gift that God has given us. Just think about this. If you don't use the gift of God that God has given you because you're too busy trying to use the gift that he gave someone else, then now your gift is missing. (laughs) And the entire church now is waiting for your gift, but you want to use their gift instead of the one that God gave you. Today I pray that you would use your gift to the fullest capacity to bless those in the ministry and in the church. Right? Romans 12 verse 3 says this, For I say, though, the grace given to me that everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Don't you have to think of yourself highly because God gave you a gift? God gave it to you. It's from God. You don't have to be proud. You don't have to be competitive. You don't have to think, oh, look at me. I think of myself higher than others because of what God gave you. No, think soberly as God has dealt with you a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, as many members or body parts we have in our entire body, it says here, but all the members do not have the same function. Not every part of your body does the same thing. Different parts of the body God created by design for different purposes. Know that. So we being many members are in one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Having gifts different according to the grace given to us, Let us use them. God gave you a different gift. Everyone a different gift, just like the body. He gave you hands, He gave you feet, He gave you ears, He gave you eyes, He gave you a nose, and all of it collaboratively together makes a body. And without all the members, it's not a complete body, right? So He's saying the gifts that God has given you, let us use them. If He gave you the gift of prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. Just give freely if God gave you that gift. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You know what this tells us? That God gave you a gift so that you would know the gift and that you would use the gift. Do you know the gift that God gave you? You would ask yourself, what what gift did God give me? Well, ask yourself, maybe God's giving you the gift of administration, of leadership, of teaching, of showing people how to do a certain thing. Now, that spiritual gift that God has given you, He wants you to use it for His cause. Sometimes we use the gifts that God has given us for other secular causes, but we never get around to use them for the cause of Christ. God gave you a gift, use it, use it for the cause of Christ. So that you would maximize the cause of Christ with the gift that He gave you. And some of us sometimes think, well, you know what, I'm not ready for God to give me a gift. Maybe I'm not, I just, I'm not well versed in the scripture. Maybe I'm just, I'm just coming to Christianity and this is all new to me. Or, or maybe I, I don't know God's word like the other people. And maybe that's why they have a gift and I don't have a gift. Well, I'll tell you this, which is so encouraging. 
that spiritual gifts are not connected to spiritual maturity. There's some people that give their life to the Lord and instantly God gives them amazing gifts. And they are not connected to the spiritual maturity or they're not connected to, to their level of knowledge of God's word. God just gave them a gift and he wants you to use it. Other people might say, you know what, well, the spiritual gifts in God's word, they're not for today. They were for that day. They were for the New Testament. People don't prophesy anymore. They don't teach anymore. They don't speak in tongues anymore. They don't see miracles or healings. They're not for today. Well, I'll tell you, those very people that teach that believe that they have the gift of teaching. <laughs> and if they have the gift of teaching, they believe that the gift of teaching is for today. No, all the gifts that we talk about today are for today. The gifts are for today. And if the gifts are for today, that means that we have to use them today. That means that God empowers you with the Spirit so that we can use them for today. Not for yesterday. Oh, those gifts were, la were for so, you know, the New Testament, the Old Testament. The gifts are for today. And we ought to use the gifts that God has given us. Now, why has He given us gifts? Because He loves the church. He loves the church. There is nothing more that God loves than His church. He calls it His bride. Did you know that you are the bride of Christ and he calls you his bride? It's almost like a groom standing at the altar waiting and looking at his bride, right? Coming dressed in white, ready to receive her groom. That's how God looks at a church. And he loves his church so much. And if he loves his church, guess who also should love his church? We should. <laughs> guess, should have, guess who should have a passionate concern about the church? You should. Because if God has a passionate concern about the church, then me and you should have a passionate concern for one another. And we should treasure the church instead of tearing it apart. We should love one another with the love of Christ. That's what makes a healthy church love. A healthy church is not a huge church. A healthy church is not a church that has the production and the stage lights and the screen. That's not a healthy church. Although those things can be used to build, uh, to, to, to send the message, right? But that doesn't make a healthy church. What makes a healthy church is unity and love and God's word. And yes, we might not have the same gifts. And you look around the room, you, not, you might not have the same gifts, but you can have the same mind. You can have the same mind. We want to accomplish the same vision. We want to accomplish the same thing. We're a healthy body. A healthy body is a body that is united. A body that is united. There is not a healthy body. You cannot say you have a healthy body if it is not united. We need to be united. There's nothing better than unity. There's so much strength in unity. When we start to say, you know what, well, my gift is more experience than the gift of that person, therefore we can't serve together. Guess what happens there? There's no more unity. The strength now is gone. We need unity. And there is a lot of unity. Guess what? Even in diversity. Even in diversity, there's unity. God has given you diverse gifts, but there is unity in those diverse gifts that brings us together. That brings us together as a family, as a body, as a church. We are called to be together. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask right now by the power of your spirit. That as we go into and dive into these, this text. That you would teach us, show us, God.
what it means to be the body of Christ. And we thank you. We ask that we would leave more united here than we ever have been today. That we would leave more united. More united than ever, God. That divisions will not exist. That cliques will not exist. That, that competition will not exist. Lord, we ask for contribution, for collaboration, for participation, Lord. For unity that comes from your Holy Spirit. We believe through your word that the gifts are for today. And we want to use them today and we want to use them the right way in unity. It is in Jesus' name we pray and together the church said, Amen. Amen. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body, he's going to give us an illustration of the human body, the human anatomy now. The different parts of your body, how they work, why they were created, what they were created for. Why the designer designed it a certain way. And how we want to have a healthy body. Now today you maybe came to church and said, well, I've been trying to get a healthy body for a while. <laughs> well, this is the healthy body or the spiritual body that God wants His church to have. God is concerned about the body of the church because it is His body. We're called the body of Christ. And in verse 12 it says this, For as the body is one, it has many members or many parts, but all the members of that one body... Being many are one body, so also is Christ. The New Living Translation reads this very verse like this. The human body has many parts, but that many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ the same way. What is he saying here? That the human body is an illustration that we can learn from. And the body like Unity of Christians, I want you to know that that illustration of the body life of Christian unity, it's not a goal that we want to achieve. It's not something that we want to look forward to. That's not it. It is something that we are now. We are the body of Christ. It's a fact. And we have to recognize that fact. It's not something that we want to become. It's a fact. We are the body of Christ. That is a fact. You are the body of Christ. And you know what the body does? The body does what the head tells it to do. Well, isn't that amazing? That the body does what the head tells it to do. Your brain, your mind, sends messages to your entire body every second of the day and tells it what to do. So the head, the head is Christ. The head of Christ tells the body, us, the church, what to do. Understand, when you know that, you start to realize that you belong to a greater unit that's called the body of Christ. You might think I belong to a certain, uh, you know, work style, a certain culture, a certain family, a certain denomination, a certain race, a certain ethnicity. No, you belong to something much bigger than all of that. I'll tell you right now. You might have pride from your, your ethnicity, your culture, your background, and guess it. You, you, you might have that, and that's all good. But there is something much bigger than that, and it's the body of Christ. You belong to something bigger than just yourself. You belong to the body of Christ. It is a greater unit. It's a stronger unit. It's something bigger. And the body was designed to be concerned about every part. Because every part here in the body matters. I want you to know that you, when you came into church today. The Lord had a special place for you here. And that you matter. Your gifts matter. And when you come to church it matters. And when you don't come to church it also matters. It affects the body. It affects the body of Christ. But now you would ask yourself, what does it mean to be the body of Christ? That sounds like 
such an illustration that's hard to take in and to know and to learn. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? Well, if we want to know what it means to be the body of Christ, we have to learn what did the body of Christ do? That's the best way to know. If you want to know what it means to be the body of Christ, ask yourself, when I look at the Bible, when I look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the scriptures, what does it say that the body of Christ did? Well, the body of Christ did two things. The body of Christ was, number one, submitted to the will of God. The body of Christ is called to be submitted to the will of God. If you love taking notes, I encourage you to write this. The body of Christ is called to be submitted to the will of God. We are called to be submitted to the will of God. That was what the body of Jesus was doing. Well, number two, what the body of Christ did was it was used. It was submitted, number one. And number two, it was used for the Father's purpose. Not only does God want you to be submitted as the body, He wants you to be used as the body. Do you know that? That God has a special plan for your life, that He wants you to submit to Him as Christ submitted to the Father. And He wants you to be used for Him as Christ was used for the Father's purpose. That's what His body did. It was submitted and His body was also used. Think about the body of Jesus. It penetrated every level of life. That's what the body of Christ did. It, it penetrated a social level, a political level, a moral level, a, a church level as well. The body of Christ, that's what it did. Jesus, when he spoke about politics, he spoke about society, he spoke about morality, he spoke about the church, he spoke about sin. His body healed the sick, it raised the dead, it cleansed the leper, it restored the sinner, it comforted the sorrowing heart and those that were weak. He provided healing with his body, blessing with his body, touching sin at every point but never catching the infection of sin because he taught us how to be the temple of God. That's what his body did. I think we forget that. And we look at the body of Christ and the body of Christ did so much. And here we are, I'm the body of Christ. I'm going to show up to church and sit down. Look at me, the body of Christ. You see me, how I'm the body of Christ? But I'm just sitting in. That's not what, when I, we read the scripture, that's not what the body of Christ did. The body of Christ penetrated every level of life. That's why when you think I'm the body of Christ, that means I'm His hands. I'm His feet. I'm His eyes. I'm the mouthpiece of Christ. And I will penetrate every level of life, social, economical, political, moral, anything. I am the body of Christ. I belong to something greater than myself. I am in the feet of Jesus. I am the hands of Jesus. Right? I recently read a story about a pastor who was taken to jail in Canada because he was teaching against homosexuality, against the Word of God. He was becoming the body of Christ in politics, in society, in morality, in the Word of God. You see, if there was ever a time where the church needed to be the body of Christ, it was today. If there was ever a time where you needed to be the hands of Jesus at work, it's today. If there was ever a time where you needed to be a voice, where there was no voice, it is today. If there was ever a time where you needed to take the preparation of the gospel of peace, and with the beautiful are the feet of those that prepare themselves, and the gospel and evangelize, it is today. There is never more, there was never more a time where the body of Christ was needed. You know how we become the body of Christ? You know how we're united like that? Because of His death and resurrection. That made us together as a family. That means that me and you are brothers and sisters. By blood. 
You would say, what, what do you mean by blood? Just relax a little bit here. All right. Well, by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross that makes us brothers and sisters and the family of God and the body of Christ. But I want you to know this and I want you to remember this and I hope that it sinks deep in your heart and in your mind that it penetrates you so that you can penetrate the world around you. That what God and what Christ began, what Christ began with His body, He wants to continue it with yours. What God and Christ began with His body healing, rebuking the, the demons, seeing the miracles, seeing spiritual dead people come back to life prophesying, uh, healing, and restoring what He began with His body. He wants to continue it with yours. Are you continuing the work of God with yours? Are you really the body of Christ where the hands and the feet are all in motion? They're mobilized? You can't be a body if you're not mobilized. You need to be mobilized today, it says. But here Paul tells us something different in verse 13. When he's going to talk about why the body is so important... But why is it so important for it to be united? Why is it so important for it to be united? Because if the body is not united, how is it ever going to be effective? If you're not united, if you're not plugged in to the church, if you're not plugged into your brothers and sisters, if you're not plugged into the Word of God, if you're not plugged into prayer, if you're not plugged into the gift that God has given you, how will you ever be effective for God? How will you ever reach the purpose that God has for your life? God has a specific purpose for your life. I want you to know that. But how will you ever reach that purpose and fulfill all that God has for you if you're not connected and united? Now it says here, as he emphasized unity, verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we all have been made to drink into one Spirit. When you're baptized, not, not so much even water baptism, when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, you were washed, you were now experience the forgiveness you were saved by the grace of God and when you are baptized by the Spirit of God when the regeneration happened when you were born again you were baptized or now you became part of a body and you were united and it was past any racial it was past any status social status it was one spirit now it didn't matter if here it tells us if you were Jew, Greek, slave or free, rich or poor. When you gave your life to Jesus in the Holy Spirit, you were baptized by the Holy Spirit. You were also baptized into the body of Christ. And now you belong to the body of Christ. What does it say now? That now you have equal access. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if you don't look like the person next to you. If you don't sound like them. If you don't dress like them. If you don't uh, fit in. When you gave your life to Jesus, you fit into the body of Christ. You don't have to try to fit in. You already fit in. <laughs> because you gave your life to Jesus. And you drink from the same fountain of life as it tells us here in verse 13. You're sustained by the same power. You're comforted by the same sh shepherd. You're directed by the same commander-in-chief that is Christ. You're kept by the mighty hand and outstretched arm of our wonderful God. It's the same. It's an instant bind. Have you ever met somebody maybe at work or going out to a store, shopping, whatever, and you meet them and, and, and you find out quickly that they are from the same place that you are from. Maybe the same city you live in. Maybe the same high school or college you went to. Maybe they are from the same place that you are from in a different country particularly. You know what happens instantly when you find somebody 
uh, of this same place. You get so excited. You're, no way. There's no way. You're from the same place? That's, that's amazing. That's crazy. I can't believe. There's an instant bind. You are, you are connected. You want to talk. Did you know this person? What part? Tell me. Really quick. Tell me. Where are you from? You just cannot wait to get connected. Well, isn't it the same thing when you, are, when you find out that you, there is another believer around you? Oh, I have an instant bind with these people here. It's the Holy Spirit in the church. It's the body of Christ. Does this mean anything to you? Does it mean anything to you? I remember when I moved locations when it comes to, to working. And I was working in a different now uh, location and branch. And, and one of the, uh, their co-workers found out that I was a believer. And he found out that I was a believer. He was so excited. And, and, and you know, he, he started to, an Asian guy, and he started to, to call others that were from uh, uh, different floors of that same building that were also Christian. Pretty soon, I had like a little community of people that are around my desk. Hey, man, we heard that you're a Christian. Is it true? There was an instant bind. There was an instant love because we're from the same body. We're from the same source. We have each other's back instantly. We love each other like we've known each other for our entire lives because we're from the same body. You see, the reason why I want to, when I just keep driving this point is because when you think about your family, you should think about these people here. When you think about what's important to you, you should think about these people that are here because they are the body of Christ. When you go out and you find someone else and you meet someone else that's also a believer, does it, does it excite you to want to serve with them, to love them, to become one with them? Because you are one in that same body. But no, instead we can become unrecognizable sometimes. We can be split from one another, divisive, critical, judgmental, condemn people. And when we start to do that, I'll tell you, we become totally ineffective. And people become very disillusioned because of the lack of Christian love. Because of the lack of Christian concern. Because it doesn't look like a body. It doesn't look like a family. It doesn't look like every member of that body is trying to accomplish one thing. It looks like everyone's trying to do something different, their own thing. You're not here to do your own thing. You're here to be a part of a greater body, and that's the body of Christ. You're not called to do your own thing. You're called to be a part of a bigger body. You belong to a bigger unit. You belong to a bigger family than just yourself, just race, just ethnicity, just social class. You belong to the body of Christ. That should mean something to you. Now verse 14, for in fact the body is not one member, but many, has many parts the body. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Verse 15, now if the foot says, you know what, I'm not really of the body, I'm just the foot. Does it, does it make it any less part of the body of Christ? No, it's under the same headship, of course it's a part of the body of Christ. And sometimes you think, well, I don't really matter at church, whether I come or I don't come or I serve or I don't serve. I'm just a foot. Well, that doesn't make you any less. We need the foot. <laughs> we need to, to move now into the direction where God's calling us, right? We need to take the gospel out. Well, I, I don't really matter. Yes, you do. Well, verse 16, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye. Oh, you know, I wish I was an eye. You know, if I'm not an eye, uh, am, I'm not part of the body. Is it therefore not part of the body? If the foot wants to be the hand, does it make it any less? No, it doesn't make it any less. And if the ear wants to be united, does it make it any less a part of the body? It does not. Because you're the, in part of the same head. And if you're part of that same head, that same authority, it makes you part of the body and you matter and you're important. You already fit in. 
There was a man that was recognized at his graduating class as valedictorian. And he was called up on stage to receive that honor. And as he walked up to the stage to receive the highest honor of his graduating class, a valedictorian, people found out that he happened to be blind. And this man that was blind, this student that was blind, that was valedictorian, came up, somebody helped him up, he was blind. And he said, I could not receive this honor by myself. You have to call my friend because he has to receive this honor with me. If it wasn't for him, I would not be here receiving this honor. They called his friend up and it so happened to be that his friend was armless. He had no arms. And this blind man said, you know what? It happened one day that we met in the hall as he helped me and guided me. This armless man helped the blind man down a flight of stairs and he showed me where to go. But you know what really connected us together? The blind man said, is that when he was guiding me down those flight of stairs, I could not see the way, but I was carrying his books. <laughs> and he said, and when we studied, he read out loud. And I turned the page. <laughs> and that's how we did it together. I think sometimes we're so concerned about why don't I have the arms when God has given you some beautiful eyes that your brother and your sister need. And sometimes maybe we're concerned that we don't have the eyes of that person when God has given you arms in the body of Christ that maybe everyone else as well needs. Do you see how the body is intended to work together? Let's read verse 17. This is incredible here. Because it says here, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? How would you ever listen if everybody was an eye? There's so much fellowship and diversity. If everyone was an eye, how would they be anyone here? If the whole hearing, here it says, if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? If you're so busy trying to be someone else, because I want to be the eye. You know, I, I want to be the eye just like everyone else. And then how are we ever going to hear? Listen, I want to have the gifts of that person. And then, then your gifts of evangelism that God gave you will never be able to benefit from because you want to do something else. Use the gift that God has given you. There's fellowship and diversity. Verse 17, it tells you here, if everyone was here, how would you smell anything? Don't be worried about being something or someone else. Use the gift that God has given you. Your diversity, I'll tell you this, the way that God has given you, it doesn't disqualify you. We sometimes think that that personality, that diversity, that you, the uniqueness of the gift that someone gave to a specific person, it disqualifies them because they're not like everyone else. No, in fact, it does not disqualify you. And we ought to never exclude other people because we don't appreciate that they're different than us or we don't recognize them uh, the way we recognize ourselves. No, they're part of the body of Christ. And praise God they're different. Praise God they're not like you. That's almost essential. That means we can cover greater territory. Not only is diversity in the body of Jesus acceptable, not only is it acceptable, it's also essential. It's needed. Because the body cannot work properly if all, the hand, if all were hands, if all were eyes, the body must have different parts and gifts so they can work together effectively as a body. You know when you're most ineffective? When you start trying to do something that God didn't call you to do. That's when you're most ineffective, when you're trying to do something that God did not call you to do. God designed you for a specific purpose and plan. I love what it says in Jeremiah, Right? For, for before I formed you, I knew you in the womb. 
God had a purpose and a plan before you were even in the womb. God knew you and he had designed you for a specific calling. He had placed specific gifts in your life. He had designed you with the wisdom of that designer. Nothing was by chance. Everyone has something and nobody has everything. Everyone has something and nobody has everything. Verse 18, let's read on and it's what it says here now as we continue. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Who puts them there? God puts them there. Who takes them away? God takes them away. God put you there. God wanted you there. And God put you specifically in that ministry. Not so that you can say, man, I want to get out. I want to go into this one. Now God put you there because you're so unique in that, that ministry. That, that ministry would be lacking without you. That church would be lacking without you. And that's why God has put you in that ministry. God put every part where he wants. He is in control of the body. Verse 18 and if they were all one members, where would the body be? If everyone was the same, where would the strength be? There would be no strength. There's so many things that all of you have that I don't have those gifts, but you have them. <laughs> this church does not operate on my gift or the gifts of the people that you see on stage or the gifts of the people that you see on the classrooms or the gifts of just the people that you see that are walking and greeting you. This church depends on all the gifts that are represented here. And it says here, if, if, if everyone was using just one gift of one person or the same type of gift, where would it be the strength? Everyone's gift is important, even if you don't think so. Everyone's gift is important here. Your gift is important. It's so important here at the church. It's so important for the body of Christ. And it says, but now indeed there are many members, verse 20, yet one body. And the eye cannot say, let's, I mean, let's read here verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the, again, the head uh, to the feet, I have no need of you. Now we can't say, you know what, as the eyes cannot go and tell another person, you know what, I have no need of you, hand. I'm good. Have you seen my eyes? My eyes are pretty, nice eyes. I have some blue, beautiful eyes. I don't need you over your hand. You can't say that. Or now, or, or, or the feet can't say to the hand or the head to the feet cannot say, you know what, I have no need of you. You have need of each other. You have need of each other. You're not now independent. We are codependent of one another. We are codependent of the Lord. We are dependent of the Lord. And it says, no much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And sometimes we think, you know what, I'm not really important. I mean, I just take care of a few kids. That's so necessary in the body of Christ. Well, I just, I, I do the greeting. That is absolutely necessary in the body of Christ. Verse 22 tells us that, that even those members would seem, they're not, they seem. And you might think in your mind, well, my little gift doesn't really matter at church. It does. It is necessary. And I want you to underline that word, necessary. Necessary means it's needed. Oh, well, they already have somebody that does it. And they have the same gift as uh, I, I do. Your gift is still necessary. I, I've come and I haven't really been serving. Your gift is necessary. It is necessary. Think about how the world would feel an impact of a group of people who are so absolutely one, absolutely one, that their witness in this world was irresistible. 
if we're absolutely one as one body, we started to become more like the body of Christ. Wouldn't our witness be more irresistible and undeniable, our witness, because we're all doing the part that God called us to do? Every part is necessary. And sometimes we think, well, you know what, this part of my body is not really necessary. And you think it's unnecessary, you think it's of low importance until that part of the body gets hurt. You never really think about your, your flow, you never really think about your, your certain parts of your body until they get hurt, right? And then when they get hurt, guess what, your entire body's screaming. <laughs> Because a certain little part of your foot, have you ever banged your foot against the door or something barefoot? And you're like, ah, you're screaming. And there's pain going through the entire body. You never think about your foot that way. Until you, it, something gets hurt. Then you start to say, you know what? That actually is really important to my body. That's actually extremely important. And sometimes the hand or the eye or something visible might seem more important because it's visible. Because you can see it, but it's not more necessary. It's not more important to the, than other, the other body parts. And it's like us here at the church. Maybe some gifts are behind the scenes gifts, but that doesn't mean they're less important than the gifts that are visible. Every part is necessary. It doesn't matter how you serve. It doesn't matter what gift God has given you. Every part is necessary. Not one is more necessary than the other. Not one is more important than the other. He's trying to tell them they're all to work united. In verse 23, it goes on. And those members of the body which think to be less honorable than these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable uh, parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed those of the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. Now there are some maybe that think, you know what, uh, my, my, you know, my role, my gift is not really important. Well, God gave others that maybe so much more strength and, and, and maybe gave them that ability and that gift to be able to come and be concerned about those that maybe feel like, you know what, their gift doesn't really matter. To be able to say, hey, you actually do matter. What is he telling us now? What is he shifting into? That those body parts that maybe are a little stronger than the other body parts, the stronger body parts ought to care and concern for the weaker body parts. What does that tell you? That me and you, all of us together, ought to be concerned for one another. The care and the concern for one another. We have to take extra care and concern for one another, right? That, that not one is now uh, pushed to the side and the other. We have to have the love and the concern for one another. You think about your heart and your lungs and all your organs, you can't really see them, right? And they would seem to be weaker than your arms or your feet or your legs or your hands. It would seem to be weaker, but guess what? All of your body is, is, ought to protect those organs that seem to be weaker. And it moves on and it shifts on to say every part is important. Every part is needed, even if it doesn't seem. And we ought to have a care and a concern for one another. Do you have a care and a concern for one another? We're going to talk about the different gifts even next week, but I want you to be left with that. You're the body of Christ. Are you caring and are you concerned for one another? What did Christ tell us? I'm going to teach you a new commandment. And what is the new commandment? That you love one another the way I loved you. That you be concerned about the different parts of the body. That if you were a stronger body part, that you would become in love with even that weaker body part. And you would strengthen. You have care and concern for one another. That's what makes you a very valuable part of the body. That you're caring and you're concerned for one another. 
And that's what we want to do today. We want to make sure that we're loving each other, that we're so united, because when united, we're effective, and our now witness becomes now irresistible, and it comes undeniable. An undeniable witness. Because we love each other, and we're concerned about one another. That's why when we come to church, it's never a good thing to come to church and walk into church and then leave right after. It's good to know one another. It's good to know each other's names. It's good to, to get involved, to participate. Why? What happens during those moments? We become stronger together. We become stronger together. And know this, we are better together. We are stronger together and we are better together because we're called to be the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. Because you've called us to be the body. And some of us here are hands, and some of us here are our feet, and some of us here, Lord, are the behind the scenes, Lord, that are very much so needed. But I pray, Lord, that we would step into that role and gift that you've called us. That we belong to something much bigger than ourselves. We belong to the body of Christ. I ask, Lord, that if there are any of us in here that are maybe, Lord, for a while have maybe not been connected or plugged in, God, that we would be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit today. And we would choose to say, I don't want to just come to church. I am the church. I am the church. And the gifts of the Spirit are for today. And I want to use those gifts of the Spirit today. Lord, I pray that you would activate the gifts. The gifts of teaching, the gifts of administration, the gifts of helps. That you would teach us that where you put us, it mat- it's so valuable to you. It matters to you so much. And that we should hone, that we should polish, that we should take care and nurture those gifts, God. But that also we should have a care and a concern for one another.